Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code SECONDTIER. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the 352 Swansea to my 433 Swansea. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. How are you doing, Justin? I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you? I'm wonderful, dear boy. What's going on in the world of Justin? I imagine most people will be shouting at their speakers right now for some sort of update on how the sticker album is going. I did buy more paninis yesterday. I will I will also add, and this is a very good tip, I got mine at the cop. This is not an ad. I got mine at the cop and they were five P cheaper. They're eighty five P. In these tough, tough times, we could all use that eighty five P to do so much, but as long as you can get those stickers, then that's all that matters. Uh, absolutely. I I'm here for the people. How many more do you need to get? I reckon about five hundred and fifty more. 550 so what's 550 times 85 i worked this out yesterday and it's an obscene amount of money that i'm not willing to invest i will forget about this sticker album in three weeks time (laughs) we'll let the listener work out how much justin has to pay to fill out one whole sticker album you are listening to the biggest championship specific podcast the second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are we're going to run through all the games from tuesday night in the championship look ahead to some of the games coming up this weekend and then round off with some of the news from the past few days and justin we have got to start off with a result which has shook the foundations of the championship to its core. Rotherham came back from a goal down to beat QPR 3-1. It shook the championship to its core because suddenly Coventry, Derby, Huddersfield and Birmingham fans were all saying to each other, is it just me or is it getting a bit hot in here? (laughs) Because Rotherham are now within six points of all those teams. But first off, let's talk about the game itself. Rotherham deserving of the win? think on the I mean it was a fairly even game um, but Rotherham consistently created chances and what they did in this game that they haven't done for a, for a, for a couple of games is they they seized on QPR's mistakes because QPR's defensive or well, defending for the second and third goal were pretty poor and um, Rotherham capitalized, capitalized on it they they took him by the scruff of the neck and and got them through it it was a, it was a huge statement making result and as you say it's, it's shaken the uh, bottom six to its core yeah, they were breaking like PSG were against Bayern on Tuesday night. <laughs> Maybe not as frequently as PSG were, but it was just as profitable for Paul Warren's boys. The most impressive thing is that they just did not stop running. For a team who has got such a condensed fixture schedule, you wouldn't have guessed it based upon the amount of hard work these players were putting in. And I suppose in a way that's what's defined this Rotherham team all season. They've got a good squad of players um, 
brought together. They all believe in this project that Paul Warren has created and they run their socks off to try and get results. To, to throw the cliche in, there's no big time Charlies. There, there are a group of players, as you say, that will die for the cause and it's, and that's what you need especially when you're a team coming coming up from League One it worked for the majority part of, for, for Charlton um, you know injuries aside they, they might have stayed up Rotherham have a similar situation they've had a lot of injuries they've had a lot of disruption to their schedule and this is why I said a few weeks ago that I think a lower mid-table finish without the impact of Covid would have been on the cards to Rotherham because they've got the quality in the team they've got the character they've got the grit Tactically, they're, they're very good as well. There's a lot to like about the Rotherham team. It will be a shame if they do go down, but but by the end of this week, if they do collect seven points, then um, they're good money for staying up. you got to die for three points, as a wise man once said. <laughs> <laughs> we knew no one at Rotherham was going to lie down and accept relegation, and this has opened up the whole relegation battle, hasn't it? All eyes are fixed on Thursday night. Rotherham versus Coventry, 21st against 22nd. Biggest game of the season so far in terms of the relegation battle. Annoying, really, that we won't be able to do a show on it, but instead we're going to do a watch-along for the big game on our Twitter tonight. So if you're setting down to watch the big game on Thursday night, why not let your favourite championship experts join you? It's a 7pm kickoff, and we'll probably start streaming just before. I'm well aware a lot of people who are listening are probably already aware of what's happened in that game. So for you guys, we'll chat about the relegation battle as a whole in Sunday's episode. But Justin, looking at the state of things now, those four teams directly above Rotherham, they're shaking in their shaking in their heels a bit, aren't they? Absolutely shitting themselves. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was Wayne Rooney came out in his in his um, pre-game press conference this week and was quite bullish. He's still very confident that Derby are going to stay up, but Christ alive! I, I wish, I wish this, I wish the supporters had that same confidence because he's been saying it for a long time that you know he said before that he would guarantee that Derby will stay up. They've got the quality and whatnot. I, I mean, I don't think they're a they're a scratch on this Rotherham team, um, and it's the same really with with Huddersfield who are losing games, drawing games. They lost seven nil last week. There are teams that are down there that are in worse states on the pitch than than Rotherham. So yeah, I would be absolutely wrecking it. We'll come back to the relegation battle a bit later on when we preview some of the games coming up this weekend. Let's move on, Justin, because Swansea made it two wins from two after beating Wednesday 2-0. Wasn't completely plain sailing for Swansea. Wednesday had a couple of decent chances in the first half, but after that, then it was plain sailing and Swansea ran out comfortable winners. It was always going to be a tricky game against Sheffield Wednesday. I think ignoring their position in the table, they're a team that have had a resurgence of late. They're fighting relegation. Um, this was an awkward game for Swansea. And it wasn't going to be as straightforward as perhaps the Millwall game would have been. But it's, it was a typical Swansea game. It was a 2-0 win, a clean sheet. They're ticking over and it's a it's a good away win. You know, if we look at it like that and completely remove the fact that Wednesday are second bottom, then it's a very good away win for Swansea. Wednesday were a bit clumsy at the back, weren't they? They made their own mistakes. For the first goal was a mistake. I can't remember who it was. but it's Tom Lees. Yeah, held on to the ball for too long. Um, and then Andre Ayew had a massive chance, which he really should have scored, and that came from another Wednesday mistake as well. Um, don't know if you noticed for the second goal, but Jamal Lowe was past the ball while he had a bottle in his hand. 
<laughs> so he's run down the line while carrying this bottle, done a Cruyff turn, and then when he's paused, he's thrown it off the pitch. It was a bit strange. It's not something you see very often. It's very Sunday no, league. <laughs> I don't really see it often on Sunday league either, to be honest with you. But he could have let go of the bottle before he received the ball. Like in that situation, I'd have gone, oh shit, thrown it, and then, mm. and then you know, didn't do my thing with the ball. But is it, is it breaking any rules? You used to be a former I, referee. Is it any rules there? <laughs> I, I wish I never brought that up now because <laughs> you kind of play that card a lot. Um, I was a referee for two years. I was 15 at the time and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. It's amazing really how Steve Cooper, um, this formation change from 3-5-2 to 4-3-3 has completely turned around Swansea's performances. They still look a bit shaky at the back every so often, but... They're much more functional now, aren't they? You say, you say shake it at the back, okay, they've given away a couple of chances and the teams are going to give away chances, but that's two back-to-back clean sheets um, for, for Swansea. And as you say, that you're going from a, a three or a five at the back when you're defending to a four at the back. I think you're always going to be a left. You're a body, you're a body short, but what they've got in Fulton and Grimes is two very good pivot midfielders who... Do a lot of the dirty work, and you know whoever's the, the third central midfielder, whether that's Hura Hain or Corey Smith. There's a there's a hard working midfielder in there as well. So I don't think they're going to be more exposed in a four at the back than they have been in in, in a three at the back. They needed something to switch it up, and it's and it's working for them at the moment. And I guess time will tell over the next few games whether or not they they proceed with it. It's amazing how much it's working compared to how much the three five two wasn't working because the three five two had really ran its course, hadn't it? They were looking awful in that formation, but now they look as good as they probably ever have been this season, really. These mm. past two games have been really impressive. But Swansea fans can start looking up rather than over their shoulder once again, Justin. What would you say their chances are of finishing in the top two, would you say they're still alive? I'd I'd say they're incredibly slim, about the same as me completing this Panini sticker book. Okay, yeah, it's possible, but you've got to put a lot of work in to do it, and you're you're also relying on other factors helping you. I.e., in my case, people giving me swapsies, and in and in Swansea's case, what for dropping points? It's it's going to be very difficult for Swansea. As I say, they're up against it, but if they keep getting results, then They've got, a, they've got a chance. Yeah, we keep saying it, we'll keep hammering home this point, but Watford have got tricky games coming up and you'd expect them to drop points over those tricky games. Um, having said that, Brentford are in a better position than Swansea, aren't they? So, Swansea still have a chance, but it's still a slim one, as you say, as slim as you completing that sticker book. What are we saying about Wednesday now then? Are they down? I'd say so. I think, I mean, it's it again, it's very hard to mathematically rule them out because of the form of Coventry and Derby, but because Wednesday now have, they've essentially lost their two games, last two games, and the defensive errors are starting to seep in, as we saw, as we saw in this game, Tom Lee's dilly dallying on the ball for the first goal. It's a sucker punch, and you don't give away, you don't give away goals against teams like Swansea because we've seen with Swansea they're very good at defending. Their, their lead but I think the issue with, with Sheffield Wednesday is the fact that they've had 10 different centre-back combinations this season they've had three keepers who have all played more than 700 minutes each I think 
it's not helped having four different managers, including the interim manager, over the course of the season because they're all going to fancy different players. And I think that unsettling nature of the team is why they've not been able to build up any momentum. Um, yeah, you just can't help but think that more decisive decision making at the top, they they would be out of this mess. It's it's as plain and simple as that. Well, for the past few months, it had become apparent that it was going to take something special for Darren Moore to keep this team up, wasn't it? And despite things improving, improving, it's just proven to be too big an obstacle, really, hasn't it? Making yeah. up for seven points with 18 left to play, I wouldn't say it's impossible. And the games they've got left could be trickier, but time's running out, isn't it? And it's a big old ask at this point. Uh, the final game from Tuesday night was between Bournemouth and Huddersfield. Bournemouth made it five wins in a row by beating Huddersfield 2-1. Pretty easy work for Bournemouth in the end, wasn't it? It was. I'm just going to point out as well that the very three important games happened on Tuesday night. Not one of them were were, were put on Sky, unfortunately. It was really annoying. Mm. Yeah, some priorities there. I don't want to watch Saturday's action, unfortunately. But there you go. I'm, I'm not the operator at Sky. Um, but as you say, it was a fairly straightforward game. I guess it was made a little bit uncomfortable by, by Huddersfield getting a, getting a goal. But I think... You've got to give credit to Jonathan Woodgate for getting the best out of this team. I think we mentioned it at the weekend. The fact that he's turned Philip Billing into a... He's, he's turned him into a, a box-to-box goal scorer from a deep-lying pivot player. It's just absurd. He's, a, he's turned into a very good number eight now compared to a, a number six if we're, if we're going down that route. I'd say he's more of a number ten, personally. Mm, no, he's, I don't think he has the... The pizzazz of a number ten. I think he. I think he's. I think he operates. Well, he that. He's scoring goals. Well, yeah, he is scoring goals, but um, I think he operates more as a number eight than than a number ten. Um, in my opinion, we can agree to disagree, Roy. We will agree to disagree. Dom Solanke <laughs> scored a wonderful goal from the edge of the box. That was a fantastic <clears throat> finish. Uh, this was actually an important win for Bournemouth. They're looking like they're going to be in the playoffs come the end of the season, but they have got some tricky games coming up including Norwich at the weekend. So when you come up against a side you should be beating, like Huddersfield, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Especially when that team is fighting for its life. Well, that's why I said that the Wednesday game for Swansea was very awkward um, because you're coming up against Huddersfield who are there are a team who, they are they are good on their day. They, they're very well coached um, or have been at various points in this season by Corbran. Um, so it is an awkward game, um, and what and what Bournemouth did was they 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 kept them at arm's length. They played good football, created chances themselves, and they have to take that into the Norwich game. I guess the positive for Bournemouth is Norwich dipped in the second half against Derby. Perhaps they're already thinking they're home and hose, so they they need to capitalise on that. We know that they've got the quality of players to do it. It's just whether or not they've got the mindset to do it, because this is the biggest game that Woodgate's probably going to have as a Bournemouth manager um, well I guess until the next one because he's got to get those got to get the points to solidify that place in the top six yeah Jonathan Mudgate has now won more games in two and a half months in charge of Bournemouth than he did in a whole year in charge at Middlesbrough uh, so fair play to him the big concern for Huddersfield is they just can't win at the moment <laughs> one win in ten games in fact they've only won two this year they're drawing loads and I'm not sure if that's enough, Justin. I, th- I think you're underselling it. The fact that they're not winning games and they are, what, 19th, a handful of points above the red, uh, the bottom three. <laughs> it's, it's quite an undersell. Um, it is it is I, I, terrifying, I think, if you're a Huddersfield fan because they almost fall into that whole city bracket of last season where they did 
fine up until the turn of the new year and then it's the if the form has just completely dipped and performances have and January signings haven't had the impact that they wanted to that they would have wanted to have. Um, but as you say, they're, they're winless in five. It's a seven nil defeat last week. It is it is a huge worry. It is a huge worry. It's not as bad as it was for Hull last season because they were just losing game after game. Uh, <laughs> whereas Huddersfield are actually drawing. So they're picking up points here and a point there. But as I say, I, I, I'm just not sure if that's enough or unless your likes of your Coventry and Derby just can't pick up any points at all. Very true. And also, in their last eight games, they've played Birmingham City, they've played Rotherham, they've played Wednesday, and they've only drawn against them. Um, that, that that probably tells you where exactly where they are in terms of character. Have they got it? Have they got the grit to get out of it? I just I don't know. Uh, they are very much banking on Rotherham. I think they're one of the teams that are banking on Rotherham, not picking up points with their games in hand, because it's... As you say, they can't buy a win. Also, maybe relying on other teams. If Rotherham do overtake them, other teams not getting past them. Uh, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll preview some of the games coming up this weekend. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a Classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got track suits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Justin, let's have a look ahead to some of the big games coming up in the Championship this weekend. And we're at that point now where you can cherry pick what some of the massive, massive games are. And we'll start off with this one. A bit of different taste of flavour to what we've been talking about so far because we're talking about the battle for automatic promotion. The M1 derby between Luton and Watford. At any other time of the season, this is a massive game between two massive rivals. A really underrated derby, actually. And I think people forget how big a derby it is because they haven't played each other in so long. The game earlier in the season was the first meeting in 14 years. But for anyone who isn't aware, these two sets of fans genuinely aren't too keen on each other. It's just a shame the fans won't be able to see this derby next season if Watford do get promoted. But let me tell you, Luton will be doing everything in their power to make sure they can stop that happening this weekend. I was, I was going to say that they'll be well up for it. But I think, you know, as you say, it's a highly, a very highly rated derby. Fans hate each other. But can they call it something better than the M1 derby, please? Can someone just come up with something? What, what would you call it? If you go past either of these towns, you're in the north derby. Just saying. Because if you go if you go past oh right okay <laughs> I think I think it's a London thing that if you go past Watford you're basically right. in the north. It, it took me a while to process what you were saying there. So you're saying from it a London early. perspective, as soon as you go past Watford or Luton, you're in the north. Basically, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
it, it my cog started turning as soon as you said that. Um, I think I think the M1 Derby's got more of a ring to it. I don't know. I just it doesn't it doesn't sit. I'm going to call it what, what I think. I, I what I suggested. I'm going to call it the north of these towns. You're in the north Derby. I'm okay. going to go with that one. Okay, you can stick with that. I'm going to acronym it. I'm not sure anyone else will. <laughs> the interesting thing is, there's been a bit of concern from some Watford fans that maybe they've lost a bit of momentum since the international break. And that's understandable. They weren't great in the win over Wednesday. They were flat in the draw against Middlesbrough. And then the Reading game last week could have been a very different scoreline on another day. So do you think Watford maybe are losing a bit of momentum? I think perhaps they've lost a bit of the swagger they had in terms of their performances. Yeah, I think, you know, as we saw over those over those three games, they weren't quite clicking as they as they would have been, but they're still taking their chances. You look at Ismail Assar's two goals. You know, if, if a team, would this Watford team have scored those types of goals back in January when confidence was a little bit low and you're not going to take those sorts of risks? Probably not. So you've got to say that they've come a long way and they've also got the experience and know-how in the team. You know, you look at Ben Foster, for example, I know he's not playing, but very highly experienced player who's going to be massively useful in this running. You've got Troy Deeney, who's been there and done it at this level. Same with Will Hughes. So they've got a lot of experience throughout the team, I think, to, to pull them through, even if they start winning ugly. And this is one of those games against Luton that they're going to have to win ugly because, as you say, Luton will be well up for it and they're going to make it very uncomfortable for Watford and Watford have got to deal with that. They have to deal with that. Yeah, well, it's a must-win game, isn't it? They have got to win this game um, because this is just before those final four big games where they play three of the top four. Anything but a win here and Brentford and Swansea will be licking their lips, won't they? As you say, they, they absolutely will be. They will be licking their lips. They, I don't think it's a, a must-win game in a sense that, you know, I don't think they'll be looking at it as a must-win game, but it's a game that they simply can't lose because the way derbies are, the way local derbies are, if you if you lose, it can really derail a season. Um, why, why why won't they be looking at this as a must-win game? I mean, they'll probably be looking at every game as, as a must-win, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking like from a professional perspective, There'll be the. It will just be a, another game for them. They'll be very relaxed. They've got a lot of experience and quality, so I don't think they'll be looking at it as a must-win game. I think supporters will be because again, it's a, it's a derby, but it's a game. If they come away with a draw, for example, yeah, they'll be disappointed. But I don't think it'll be the end of the world. They'll just go into the next game and 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 try and pick up three points there. They, you've got to nonchalantly get on with these things rather than dwell on them. Okay. I'm not sure I agree with you there, but Brentford have got Millwall at home and Swansea are playing Wickham at home. So you'd expect those two teams to get three points in those respective games. So I think it is a must-win game for Watford this weekend. Let's move back to the relegation battle, Justin. Three massive games this weekend. Now, of course, Rotherham versus Birmingham would be one of those games which we preview, but I didn't really think there was much point considering that game because Rotherham are playing shortly after this episode goes out so everything could be completely irrelevant after that game so instead we'll preview two other games featuring relegation troubled teams the first is Derby who travelled to Blackburn on Friday night Derby just two places outside the relegation zone at the time of recording while Blackburn not completely out of it just yet you'd have to say it would take some impressive results for them to seriously get dragged in Having said that, Rovers have only got one win in 15, so it's a must-win game for them, isn't it, to ease any fears? 
I think to ease fears, to ease pressure on Tony Mowbray, to ease pressure on the players, because as you say, the, the season has completely catapulted downhill. Um, but I feel like Derby are coming up against Blackburn at the wrong time. I think after that Cardiff game, they might be buoyed after that, uh, you know, getting a result in the last minute. Adam Armstrong getting on the score sheet twice. He's he's in good form against Derby. He's got three in his last two against Derby. And he, as we saw earlier on in the season, he was absolutely magnificent. Um, so him coming into form is terrible news for Derby, who are going to be about Matt Clark as well. So I don't think it's as plain sailing as perhaps it would have been a week ago or two weeks ago. I don't think this game is ever plain sailing. But having said that, Derby, considering Blackburn's form, they will be looking at this as a must-win game, won't they? It has to be a must-win game. Um, I know it's. I know, but my mindset is completely switched from that Luton Watford game. But from a Derby perspective, they're they've simply been pretty terrible. I think Rooney's been. I think shielded from a lot of criticism. He's he's changed his team, gone game by game. We've seen managers come in this season have impact on teams in in a very short space of time. You look at Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at Burton, for example, which is. The, the amount of points he, I know it's not championship but the amount of points he's picked up he came in in January um, and he's completely turned Burton around you compare that to Wayne Rooney who has had longer hasn't Mick McCarthy turned Cardiff around etc you know, there are a lot of examples of it of it working and it really hasn't clicked under Rooney so for, for, from Rooney's perspective it's a must win they ha- he has to pick up three points Derby have to pick up three points because Rotherham are gaining on them they have to show some form of cojones really yeah, but they played all right against Norwich at the weekend, didn't they? I didn't think they were too bad despite losing. So they'll take a bit of encouragement from that. It's amazing to think at the start of the season, Blackburn thumped Derby 4-0. And it looked as if these teams would be you know, opposite ends of the table. But they're separated by only a few points now. The concern for both is scoring goals. For Derby, that's been an issue all season. We've mentioned it plenty of times. But Blackburn, the goals have really dried up. They failed to score in four of their last six games. So, could be low scoring. However, I say that in just about every single Derby game at the moment. Because it usually is. Um, The other big game in the relegation battle this weekend is Huddersfield away at Forest. Before, this would have been a big game for Forest. But they're just about safe now, aren't they? Can't say the same for Huddersfield who were really looking over their shoulders. Defensively, they're a mess. So, yeah, they are absolutely shitting themselves. And they're coming up against a Forest side who attacked with real determination in the last home game against QPR. They, they created a, a ridiculous amount of chances and their XG was through the roof, probably the high rate, highest XG they've had for the last two and a half years. Um, and they're also unbeaten in their, in their last four. Huddersfield haven't won in their last five. You have to swing towards a home win, and in swinging towards a home win, you almost condemn Huddersfield to a very, very bleak chance of escaping relegation if Rotherham start picking up wins. Well, I'm not going to pull up any trees by saying this, but Huddersfield have been terrible at the back, absolutely awful at the back since the turn of the year, and they've been poor going forwards as well. And in terms of football, that's not a good mix. <laughs> um, losing Josh Cromer has. It's one of those things that we've been saying for ages, isn't it, Justin? But that's really, really hindered their season. And it's ultimately one of the main reasons why they are where they are now. And I think as well as that, not bringing in the right players in January, perhaps on a loan basis. Like last season, they brought in Emil Smith-Rowe, Chris Willett came in, I think Richard Stearman came in um, on a permanent. These were good 
championship signings who are going to spark your team into life. And they obviously had the Cowleys as well, who were very good at setting up teams not to lose, essentially, um, which is probably doing them a disservice. But what they've got now is a very, in parts, inexperienced championship team dotted with very experienced championship players. You look at Keogh, Naby Saar, um, Jonathan Hogg as well. There's some good players in there, but there, there aren't many hitting their peak. Um, Karoma was a real bright spark, and then Benzo has been fairly good this season. But other than that, there isn't there isn't too many. You know, to use your term, putting up trees, and that's that's ultimately why I think they're down there. Well, yeah, they're definitely down there, aren't they? And they're one of the teams who are definitely looking over their <coughs> shoulder. In fact, Justin, let's have a quick chat about the relegation battle because, as we say, it's all been opened up by that rather result from Tuesday night. So tight at the bottom. So. Who's going down, Justin, my boy? I don't know about you, but my mind keeps changing every 20 minutes. It's something I keep thinking about whenever I get a spare moment. But if you had to stick your neck out, who are you saying at this very moment in time? I feel like Rotherham are going to get out of it. I really do. I'm very confident in them clawing their way out with the games that they've got in hand and the games that are left in the season. I always said Birmingham City and Derby for me. Birmingham City have managed to pull themselves pull themselves away they've got some big games against teams that are down there so they could easily get dra- dragged back into it but under Lipo I don't think that's going to be possible so for me I'm going to have to say Derby I, I really am although coverage is away form is is frighteningly bad again that is something that could that could pull them back into it but Derby don't score enough goals don't create enough chances defensively they're fine but they don't keep many clean sheets without Bielik so I'm going to say Derby well Coventry could drop into the top uh, bottom three uh, if they do lose tonight I as I say I keep changing my mind every 20 minutes but at this very moment in time in this 20 minutes right here I'm thinking Wickham Wednesday and Rotherham Um, I do think we haven't seen the full impact of this fixture schedule on this Rotherham team yet so that could still be a massive massive hindrance on them for the rest of the season Um, but as I say that could change in the next 20 minutes so we'll see there's only about three weeks left of the season, so yeah. And then you've got a nice long break. Absolutely, run yourselves into the ground. Like, don't you? Not unable to walk after it. I think that's the sort of team that they've got. That they will run themselves into it. I think that's what Paul Warren will be saying. Maybe not going as far as not being able to walk afterwards, because he, he, they have got to keep next season in mind. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is isn't it that you've got Birmingham, who, as you quite rightly said, seem to be getting away from the relegation battle now but you've got four teams there who aren't in great form at all Huddersfield, Derby, Coventry and Rotherham have picked up that win on Tuesday night but before that they weren't picking up many points at all so it's anyone's call at this moment it is so so tight down at the bottom right now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news and the vast majority of championship fixtures this weekend have been moved from three o'clock on Saturday so that they don't coincide with the funeral for the Duke of Edinburgh. It's going to be very odd having no games at three o'clock, but most of the games are being played at half twelve on Saturday. Uh, Derby's takeover. Has it been complete yet, Justin? No, they said it would be done by now. We're in this position again. Eric Lonzo literally said (laughs) it will be done early Monday. It hasn't been done. Yeah, it's still waiting for EFL approval. 
as you say, apparently that was meant to come earlier this week. I don't think it's anything to panic about just yet. If we, if we get to next week, then maybe alarm bells should start ringing. But Derby's prospective new owner, Eric Alonso, says the eventual goal is to get the club into the Champions League. Are you looking forward to playing the likes of Barcelona and Bayern Munich just in via League One? <laughs> I tell you what, I'd much rather go to Accrington Stanley. I mean, I've never had a pie, but if I'm going to sample in my first pie, I'd rather it be at the Wham Stadium than the New Camp. Do okay. they even do pies in? <laughs> do they even do pies abroad? <laughs> I, I've never been to um, the New Camp, um, so I wouldn't be able to say. I've been to games abroad, and it's usually based on that country's, you know, yeah, dishes. Really, mm. when I went to Atlanta United. In America, they just did popcorn everywhere. It, it, I know. At a football game, popcorn just didn't sit right with me at all. Again, my marketing hat on, very good ploy, because if you eat lots of popcorn, dry mouth, lots of beer, keep spending money. It was some of the most disgusting popcorn I've ever had <laughs> in my life. It was absolutely rancid. I, they it, they give you a massive bag as well, and I ate one handful. I was like, no. Not uh, also hot dogs unsurprisingly very popular over in america yeah. you ever been to a game abroad i've been to a game in holland um i've been to eight at outmore and that's it i think did you have any food there no we had lots of lots of beer the beer's nice yeah beer's well, nice. you're allowed to yeah. drink in the stands abroad, you are aren't it's you? great it is absolutely great unfortunately in england we're all idiots so we're not allowed to do that um what, what were we talking about? We were talking about we're, Eric Alonso, weren't we? We were, yeah. we were. Getting to the Champions League, is, it's a big old shout, isn't it? It's complete bollocks, let's be honest. We've got <laughs> we've got the Jay Cartwright from in between as of football owners. The amount of things that have come out, the amount of the amount of um, football owners that have come out and said, no, he's not been interested. It'd be like Cardiff Wednesday, we've had Bali United in Indonesia. Uh, Are these clubs that Eric Alonso has <clears throat> supposedly been interested in? Yeah, he's come out and said it himself that he's that he's been in contact with them, and they've all said, "What's he on about?" No, it's 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 laughable, really, and he's already making a laughing stock of himself. Which I've gone from cautiously optimistic on Sunday to do not buy this football club, please. Wow, honestly, it's actually I I wouldn't I'll avoid um, saying anything that might get us into trouble. So. Okay, but wh- why are you? Um bit worried or more worried than you were at the weekend well i think firstly you've got a you've got a potential chairman here who's literally not stopped talking since he said he will not talk anymore you know he said last week that he's not going to make any further statements and since then he's been on talk sports sky sports he's been on bbc radio derby he's been everywhere um and in in that time he's been saying yeah we'll get to we want to get to the Championship league i dream big i do this i do this and you look at wolves who are probably the best example of a team coming out of the championship and getting into europe they're now 15th in the premier league it's unfortunately not going to ha- probably happen in my lifetime and very you know unless you get elasticity it, 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 it just won't happen um but what that is doing is distracting things from what is happening now on the pitch we're fighting relic derby fighting relegation and you've got eric alonso who's literally singing like a a songbird that it's not needed it's absolutely not needed and that's one of the reasons as to why and obviously all the all of the the chairman that have come out and said no we've had no contact after he said that they've had contact for me is is very damning of his um statements i i would say i look forward to you eating your words when 
Derby turn over Barcelona at the new Camp. Um, Bristol City CEO Mark Ashton has left the club to take up the same job at Ipswich. Seems like this move was the best for both parties because he wasn't the most popular of people in Bristol, was he? After reading the replies on the tweet, yes, he didn't <laughs> seem like he had many fans in, in Bristol. Um, so, yes, I think it's a good move for, for him, good move for the Bristol City fans and Ipswich Town as well. Mm. Well, a lot of the frustration for the team not getting in the top six over the past few seasons has been aimed at him, that and the players being sold for a lot of money, which hasn't always been invested in the first team. To be fair, though, a lot of that money has gone into the academy and training ground. So I think he gets a bit of a bad gig from Bristol City fans. But I can see why they don't particularly like him. The fact he's been headhunted by the new owner of Ipswich, though, shows that he must have been doing something right to impress another party. Sticking with Bristol City, their ex-head coach Dean Holden has become the new assistant at Stoke after Billy McKinley left. Good to see him back in football. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I think even as a, an assistant manager or a head coach, I think I think he's still got, I think he's still got it in him to do a job um, at, at championship level. I think we saw a lot of positives at Bristol City before, or the injuries struck. That's essentially, I think, why they were terrible under him is they just couldn't put out a team, a regular team, on a consistent basis. So yeah, big big fan of that. Yeah, he was he was definitely dealt a tough hand at Bristol mm. City wasn't he and it says something when Bristol City fans were sad to see him go much more sad than they were compared to Mark Ashton <laughs> in contract news Chad Evans has signed a new deal at Preston his previous one ran until the end of the season I don't think it's a bad move because he's played a lot better than people were expecting but I don't think he's necessarily the answer to Preston's striker problems is he? Uh, I was going to say I, th- I, th- I feel like this is Preston just saying right we've found our number nine now we're done. We've 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 got him. And goals-wise, he's not going to deliver. He's, he's very hard working. He's got a good work rate, but you expect that from a player who's had to jump up from League One. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think he's their answer to their goal-scoring troubles. Um, it's it's fine, I guess, but not their answer, as you say. I would put him firmly in the category of good alternative option isn't it he, he holds up the ball well works hard but he's not going to score 15 goals a season which is exactly the striker Preston have been crying out for for god knows how long now so hopefully in the summer they do get another striker but if we get to you know end of August and they're still only got Chad Evans Emil Reese Jakobsen as the striker options then it's just going to be another year of mediocrity for Preston, isn't it? Uh, and finally, Reading's accounts have been published for 2019-20. They managed a total accumulated loss of £138 million and they're spending more than double on wages what they're earning in revenue. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a master accountant. That is a lot of money. That is also very unsustainable. But I guess if you've got an ownership who are willing to write off those losses, it's going to continue, isn't it? Um, but I mean, FFP. I, I just feel like the owners of the champ- owners in the championship just do not care about FFP. It's, it's so strange that the, uh, you've looked at how many chairmen uh, and owners in the league that have just gone, eh, whatever. Well, FFP isn't being counted this year. I don't think is it because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. So that would be one reason why Reading are probably going to get away with this. And also, FFP is being scrapped altogether, isn't it? Uh, from what European I've been hearing. Level, yeah. yeah, 
So whether it does mean anything anymore, I don't know. But it does say a lot about how unsustainable some of the spending is for championship clubs. But, Mm -hmm. you know, teams still do it. (laughs) And I think that's just about it for us here on the second tier, Justin. Uh, We'll be back on Sunday, slightly later than usual, because there's a game at three o'clock. So it'll most likely be released on Sunday evening. Justin didn't realise that quite clearly from the face that he's just pulled. Uh, A very alarmed one. Um, But for those of you who like to get in there early, yes, it'll be probably Sunday evening that we release uh, that episode. Oh, and just a reminder about our live watch along on the Rotherham Coventry game on Thursday nights. That will start just before 7 pm on our Twitter. So we look forward to seeing you then. Otherwise, that's just about it for us here on the second tier. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.